Hello and welcome to the Monday edition of the Sports Talk Podcast. It is January 8th, 2018. We're a week in here, and uh, how's your year going so far, Jeff? It's great, guys. Hope you had a great weekend. Great to be back. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you, Austin? Oh, I'm living the dream. <laughs> I'm really I'm really annoyed. I know you are. And you guys will understand why in about 10 minutes. I mean, maybe, but I'm happy because Marquette covered against the number three team in the nation. We'll get to that in a minute. we got a good show for you today. We're going to recap the ridiculousness of the wildcard weekend and how wrong I was at every turn. <laughs> We're, we got a little college basketball update for you today, as I foreshadowed. And then we got our questions of the week, too. Yeah, just some maybe some weekend news at the end, I guess. And then finally, there. of course, we're going to preview the uh, national championship between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. Awesome. Let's do it. Here we go. Three scruples to a drown, boys. Eight drums to an ounce. Two cups get you a pint now. Not the first ones on the house. The drunkard craves just another Blind man blames the eye. Poor man dreams of riches. Alright, now we will start our wild card weekend recap, starting with the first game of the whole weekend, which was the Saturday early game. The Titans come back to beat the Chiefs 22 to 21. And this game pretty much showed the entire Chiefs season in one game. They started out hot and they fell apart. You know, Jeff, I really thought you'd kind of talk up how good the Titans are and everything and just really start going off because they actually want a playoff game. Yeah, I'm very excited, of course. But <laughs> he's, he's just excited. Yeah. This game, oh, God, I don't think I could have gotten this game any more wrong. Not <laughs> only did I pick the Chiefs in this game, but I also said it would be high scoring. Really? <laughs> did you, I say, I probably said it was going to be a blowout, too. You were right, though, when you said that uh, Alex Smith is dominant in the first half because that's where all yes. the points came. He, Alex Smith was 24-33 for 264 yards and two touchdowns. And that was entirely in the first half. Yeah. So, he he played a lot better than Marcus did, actually. Yeah, Mariota yeah. completed 19 passes for 205 yards for two touchdowns and an interception. Um, Smith was sacked four times. That uh, that was a I think that was a big part of the second half. I like the pressure that the Titans were able to put on him. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you said it best. I mean, th- this this game was pretty much a microcosm of the Chiefs season. You know, yeah. get off to a hot start, and fall apart. Yeah, they were up 21 to three at halftime. So. I, I don't know what uh, was said in the locker room for both sides, but it obviously works the, in a the lot better favor for Wild Card Weekend seems to be a bit of a, uh, what do you call it, a, a problem for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, remember a couple years ago when they they blew that 28-point lead to the Colts? Yep. Uh, yeah, 20, what was it, 45-44 I think it was? Uh, I they're think not, was yeah, they're 0-6 now in their last six home games in the playoffs. Um, Kareem Hunt was more or less a non-factor. He just for just 42 yards. He did have a touchdown, but it was in the first half. Mm-hmm. So um, Derrick Henry, I'm amazed that the Titans still have DeMarco Murray after this game. Um, Henry goes off for 156 yards and a touchdown, averages 6.8 yards a carry. He needs to work on protecting Mariota, though. Oh yeah, he got but, destroyed a couple well, times. That's the, the announcers were talking about, it, and that's really why they still have Demarco Murray because he's an excellent pass like pass protector. He can he can block really well. And Henry on that play just looked really lost, but Henry's just such a he runs like a brick wall. Like he 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 just moves forward. And he like just shakes tacklers off. He's yeah. really an excellent runner, and I th- I think uh, the good move for the Titans in the offseason is going to be moving Demarco Murray somewhere where he can be successful. Absolutely. Like it's in you know. If, Cleveland really wanted to. They could trade a couple of their late round, like a couple of their second round picks or, some, or a third round or a few picks for him because then they wouldn't have to 
they should draft Saquon Barkley. They shouldn't do this, but I mean, if they really wanted to get a guy like Demarco Murray, then they can spend their one of their top five picks on defense, mm-hmm. just kind of short up. Um, receiving kind of was rough this game for both teams. Delaney Walker, the leading receiver for the, the Titans, at seventy four yards, six catches. Eric Decker caught a touchdown with uh, added twenty one yards. Um, Travis Kelsey, before he got hurt, had four catches for sixty six yards and a touchdown. I really think that was part of the Titans' game plan, concussing Travis Kelsey. <laughs> well, it obviously worked out. Well, I mean, you think about that play late in the game. It was fourth and nine, and the Chiefs were on, like, the 43-yard line, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And Alex Smith threw it, like, 30 yards downfield to Albert Wilson, who dropped the ball. Think about if Travis Kelsey had been the one he threw on the ball to. Oh, he, that probably would have like, been he, That's probably yeah. a catch, and, like, you know, first and goal for the Chiefs, and... Like, just Travis Kelsey kind of showing, like, how indispensable he is to the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to note, too, is, like, I mentioned kicking. Because, because like, you know, like, really close games like this, like, a missed field goal can be the game. And uh, Harrison Butker missed a 48-yard field goal in the third quarter. And obviously, that was, that was a distant difference in the game. And on that fourth and nine play, rather than try and have him attempt a 57-yard field goal, they, they went for it on fourth and nine, threw a 30 yards in that field. So... Really, like the the kicking is very important, and like ever like Pat McAfee, I don't know if you guys listen to him too, but he he always puts out these really interesting like kicking videos like, mm-hmm. where he like kind of explains like the mechanics of it. And he's like if and like you don't really like it looks automatic to a lot of NFL kickers, but like a fifty yard field goal is a bomb for a lot of the, those guys. Like a lot of the guys have the leg to do it. Yeah, but it's just like like uh we'll get to that this game in a minute, but like. Will Lutz and uh, Graham Gano both hit like a fifty-seven and a fifty-eight yard field goal, mm-hmm. and like they were bombs. So it's uh, kicking really is an impressive thing to do in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, some more interesting stats: uh, the Tennessee Titans were the first team to come back from an eighteen-point deficit on the road in the playoffs since nineteen seventy-two. So, pretty interesting there. Yeah, very, very much so. Uh, Jackson, Woodward, Byard, and Cyprian played every defensive snap for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like it's it's kind of amazing that these guys are so durable. And like uh, Byron had like eight interceptions this year, but their secondary was just so bad at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, of course Derrick Henry played ninety-seven percent of offensive snaps with no Demarco, so that makes uh, no surprise there. Did Mariota run at all? Uh, he did a couple times. Uh, I don't have his stats written down, but he had a couple of nice rushes. I know he had that hamstring thing at the beginning of the year that really hampered him. Mm-hmm. He he had a very nice block for the. Oh, I saw the winning, that. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was the winning. That was a uh, great rush. block. I love yeah. when quarterbacks like get, get out in front of the runner and block. Yeah, he did run well though. He had eight carries for forty six yards. Oh yeah, averaging five point eight. So yeah, see, like that's like having that the the Mariota. Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson type of quarterbacks really started to take over the NFL. Mm-hmm. And like it's like a lot of NFL offices going back to that run pass option, which yeah. I think the Titans would benefit from that they don't do. Yeah. So I have a couple questions for you. Oh, is Andy Reid done no. with Casey? Absolutely not. not. Like he, he uh, Adam Andy Andy Reid is a tough track record in the playoffs, but I think the Chiefs have been plagued this year by <laughs> um, injury, mm-hmm. especially on their defensive side. I think next year, I think they're going to trade Alex Smith this offseason, give the team to Pat Mahomes, um, and uh, they should, they, they're they going to draft offense. They're going to give him another weapon. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you and I were in this conversation the other day, I think they should trade Alex Smith to the Cardinals for, they should trade Alex Smith and a second-round pick to the Cardinals for Chandler Jones and a fifth-round pick. Yeah. 
because Chandler Jones was the NFL leader in sacks, and the Chiefs really need help on run defense, as we saw. Mm-hmm. You you actually answered my other question, Smith's last game as the Chiefs, but yeah. I right. mean, the, the, so. he's a free agent after 2019. It would make and like they drafted, they moved up to draft Mahomes to be his replacement. So it would be a logical assumption that this that was Alex Smith's last game in a Chiefs uniform. Of course, uh, the Titans move on and they play in New England uh, next Saturday night. So very tough game there. All right, moving on to the Saturday night game. The Falcons beat the Rams 26-13, to and the Rams had pretty much no offense the entire game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this game showed everybody what, you know, kind of what we were talking about a little bit, that the Falcons both have a chip on their shoulder and something to prove, and they're the ones with, you know, the experienced roster, the experienced coaching staff. Like, the Rams are going to be good for a very long time. Yep. But, they, like, they, they were just, they're a young team, and they learned something from this game. Do you think the Falcons are the team to beat in the NFC? I think, no. The That's definitely the Vikings. But the Falcons, more than anybody in the playoffs, I think, are the biggest dark horse team. Mm-hmm. Because they have, like, did you know that coming into this game, they only allowed one 80-yard rusher all season? Wow. And like, I'm not even sure who that was. But uh, Todd Gurley um, had a good game. He had, 100, he had 14 carries for 101 yards. So, uh, I mean, it's again, it's tough to stop. This should be NFL MVP. But um, the fact that like the Falcons are definitely the dark because like a game like this is really showing what they have and putting it all together. Mm-hmm. So like Julio Jones, uh, nine catches for ninety four yards and a touchdown, got a lot of red zone targets. How about Robert Woods? What a game! Robert Woods had nine catches yeah. for one hundred forty two yards on fourteen targets. Um, he had a awesome lot of catches. great catches. Yeah. yeah, Cooper Cup caught the uh, only touchdown pass from Jared Goff. He had sixty nine yards as well. Um, Matt Ryan was very efficient in this game, uh, 21 to 30 for 218 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers. Um, the only turnovers of the game were the Rams, uh, lost a couple of fumbles, but, um, yeah, like the biggest takeaway from this game is the NFC should be concerned that the Falcons are playing well. Yeah. Because if they can play like this against the Eagles, they're going to beat the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, so should, should be a fun one. Yeah. Their defense, like the Rams had the number one offense in the whole league and they only got three points the whole game zero in the second half so the defense for the falcons really showed up they they had 13 points in the first half no they had three points in the whole game zero points in the second half that was 26 to 13 oh maybe i wrote that down wrong (laughs) well maybe the rams didn't score in the second half i don't know i have to go back and look that up i'm sorry i think i think you're thinking of our friends the buffalo bills my friend oh yeah who uh who lost to the jaguars 10 to 3 on sunday yeah yeah i'm sorry uh, which is a nice segue, but um, uh, wow, this game! I'm I didn't even watch this game. I just watched all the pregame videos of Bills Mafia destroying everything in their path around the city of Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I'm so like the Bills have got to make the playoffs for the next twenty years in a row to just make up for it because Bills Mafia doesn't matter what seed the Bills are. The Bills Mafia is going to follow them around. It, oh, it, it was so much fun to just see how happy their fans were. I mean, I saw Andy Dalton Buffalo Bills jerseys, <laughs> um, but get the Blake Bortles man completed twelve passes for eighty-seven yards and a touchdown, and had eighty-eight rushing yards. Hmm. Wow. It, what? <laughs> he was the leading rusher for for the game. Um, out of all out of all players, um, he out he outrushed his own running back Leonard Fournette, who had twenty-one carries for fifty-seven yards. And his long was 16. And Lashawn McCoy, who played, 
thankfully, and for the Bills, which honestly really kind of kept them in the game. Without McCoy, I really I don't think I think the Bills would have gotten shut out. Yeah. Um, McCoy had 19 carries for 75 yards. Hmm. Um, Tyrod Taylor had he threw a lot more passes than I thought they were going to do. He he was 17 to 37 for 100, 134 yards, and he had one interception, no touchdowns. Twenty yeah. added 27 rushing yards. He did leave the game in the fourth. I think it was only for like one play or two, maybe. But yeah, we got to see Nathan Peterman again. Yeah. Did, did you know Nathan Nathan Peterman threw more interceptions in one game than Tyrod Taylor had all season? Didn't he throw more in he one th- game than teams had in like an entire season? He threw five interceptions in one game. In one, didn't he throw it in like one half or something? I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, it, I think it was one half. I'm pretty sure it was one half. And like, oh man, like, I don't know what the hell. Shot, like they, the Bills coaching staff was thinking, like benching Tyrod Taylor. For Nathan Peterman. <laughs> you could say the same thing about bunching Eli for Geno Smith. No, that was just Ma- Ben McAdoo being a jerk. <laughs> He's like, all right, screw you people. I'm going out like this. Like, don't do that to Eli Manning. Eli Manning didn't do anything to you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, the Bills were the team that did not score in the second half. The Rams got three points in the second half in their game. So Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, you, you, you knew this game, like the Jaguars and Bills game. You knew that was going to be, okay, whoever scores a touchdown wins this mm-hmm. game. Just cause, like, like, the like, really, because the numbers really show how pathetic it was. Like, D.D. Westbrook was the leading Jaguars receiver. He had five catches for forty-eight yards. Uh, ben Koyak had the only touchdown catch of the game, um, a one-yard uh, score from the goal line. Yeah, McCoy was the leading uh, receiver for the Bills too, who forty-four yards on eight targets. Well, Sean McCoy is now owned four in his uh, play- career in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, well, this this Bills team team just really lacked. Like help around Deshaun McCoy and Tyrod Taylor, mm-hmm. and like like this showed that their defense is good. Yeah, like I mean, like, I knew that at the beginning of the year. I think they, they it fell off a little bit towards the middle, but like this shows that the Bills are a good defense, yeah. and like they should go, they should re, they should resign Tyrod Taylor. They should draft a wide receiver, and like then they'll have Kevin, Kelvin Benjamin um, still, who will be healthy next season in their system. So I think the Bills have a good chance. I don't want to say they're going to win the AFC East because. That's just not going to happen with yeah. the Patriots in that division. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll be a wild card team next year again. Statistically, the Bills outplayed Jacksonville the whole game. In uh, well, yeah, I mean, because like the first yards. half for the Jaguars was absolutely dismal. Like Blake Bortles, I think had like twenty rece- passing yards. He he had like fifty on out of, out of his eighty-seven passing yards. He had like fifty of them on one drive. Yeah, nice um, game for him though. No picks. But the, 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 I think this one stat really uh, really sums up this game. The teams combined for 17 total punts for 746 net punt yards. Crazy. That's crazy. They, they just... Uh, that, uh, That's got to be a record. It's a kicker's <laughs> dream. Of course. Uh, do you think Jacksonville has the best defense in the FC? Yes. I, I, I mean, well, we saw them. We saw what they did to the Steelers in week five. Um, so, I mean, there's a... I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw five interceptions again. I think they'll be a little more conservative and try to get Le'Veon Bell going on the ground. Yeah. But I think for that game, for the Jaguars and Steelers, like that's gonna probably going to be the most interesting game of the divisional round. Um, well, Minnesota and the Saints could be pretty good. Oh, yeah. That'll, oh, that's that's going to be the game of the week. But I, I think yeah. in terms of, like, I think the I think the Jaguars and the Steelers are going to be the closest game of the week. Yeah, that pro- that's true, probably. So. Uh, yeah, like you said, Jacksonville plays Pittsburgh uh, next Sunday. On, I don't know what channel, but. Whatever. <laughs> uh, that's AFC. That's probably CBS. Yeah, probably. All right, moving to uh, the afternoon, the late afternoon game on Sunday. The Saints beat the Panthers 31-26, to a very close, exciting divisional game. 
the Saints are, were three and zero against the Panthers this season. So. I mean, this game oh, lived up to what we hoped it was. It was a great game. Um, both quarterbacks played very well. I thought. I mean, Cam Newton, like he made a lot of throws that I thought were like bad throws, and I thought he wasn't playing that well. So I kind of looked at the numbers. Cam Newton was twenty four of thirty for three hundred forty nine yards, two touchdowns. Drew Brees did Drew Brees things. Twenty three of thirty three for three hundred seventy six yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Cam Newton got sacked four times. Oh man, I feel so sorry for him. He gets lit up all the time, and like you yeah. don't really think about it because he's like a big dude, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's not that bad. But he got absolutely destroyed by I think Cameron Jordan. I think like he was spinning away from contact, and he turned around. The Saints player was right there and just lit him up, and he had to go out for a play. Yeah, but like I just feel so sorry for Cam Newton, man. <laughs> a good game for Jonathan Stewart. Eleven carries, fifty-one yards. Uh, uh, I thought the running game for this game was pretty. Pretty non-existent for both teams. I mean, Kamara only had 23 yards. He did have a touchdown. Ingram had 22 yards. And then Stewart, obviously, was the leading rusher for the uh, the Panthers. Um, a lot of, it was in the, like, as the court, I mean, quarterback, both quarterbacks threw for 300, 350 yards, basically. Uh, Michael Thomas had eight catches for 131 yards on nine targets. Good mm-hmm. game for him. Yep. Ted Gidd Jr. had four catches for 115 yards and a touchdown at that. He had big a great eighty yard catch. I think it was eighty it, something yards. It was, he had a big touchdown in the, yeah. in the first quarter. I think it was on the first drive of the game for the Saints. Was it? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he, he. That's kind of fun too against your <coughs> against your former team to score on them in the playoffs like that. Mm-hmm. And then both of, uh, Greg Olson, great game, eight catches for one hundred and seventy yards and a t- touchdown. Uh, he also had twelve targets that game, most targeted uh, Panther. Christian McCaffrey, who only had. I think 20 rushing yards around that. Um, six catches for 101 yards at a touchdown. Wow. So, big big time shootout in terms of uh, throwing. Uh, and then I just I just had one note here about Cameron Jordan, who I think had the, was the best defensive player from the game. He had three tackles, one sack, one, for, one tackle for a loss, two passes defended, and two quarterback hits. One of them almost murdering Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Did, did, could you, like, you, you watched that play, right? Like, you, did you kind of, was he, like, picking, like, glass out of his visor or something or like or was it a concussion uh he said in his uh, post-game press conference that it was his eye not his head yeah because like it, it looked like his like visor i thought his visor like shattered or something he got mm. like plastic or glass that's what it looked like he said in the press conference it, he was bleeding like around his temple yeah he said in the press conference that he said that he thought somebody poked his eye but that's impossible with the visor but um, yeah well i mean like again like i that's what i thought um mm-hmm. I think poke, poked got poked in the eye is like code for, oh, I got concussed and I had to go back in because it's the playoffs. Uh, do you think Carolina will be uh, back in the playoffs next year? I do. I mean, like they have no reason not to be. I mean, their defense was good. Uh, I think Cam, this was a damn down year for Cam, Cam Newton, I think. And I think if he returns to um, form a little bit, I think the Panthers will be a lot bigger of a threat. Yeah. I do think they need a big-name wide receiver from from uh, free agency. Um Funches had a good game. He was he had like seventy nine yards, I think. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore shut him down big time in the first half. I think he got a lot of garbage time stuff. Uh huh. But um, yeah, they they should go out and sign like Des Bryant or Michael Crabtree or somebody in free agency for Cam Newton to kind of replace Kelvin Benjamin with. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the Saints are in Minnesota next Sunday. That will be a great game to watch. I, I'm I'm excited for the divisional round. They're all great games. Very much. Um, with the possible exception of the Patriots and Titans. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, that will do it for our wildcard recap. When we come back, we'll talk some college basketball. I don't need to read the papers 
or the tea leaves to understand that this world's been shaped by drunken mother's hand. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Now we're going to talk about some college basketball. A lot of upsets this week. 11 of the top 25 teams, uh, ranked teams, actually lost this weekend. So it was a crazy weekend. Yeah, um, you know, I think the biggest thing we learned from this weekend in college basketball was something we already knew, that college basketball, literally anything can happen. I think this is going to be one of the best tournaments we get in a long time because especially this year, I mean, we all thought Duke was going to be like, that like not like smack you in the mouth like one or two lost team this year, but they just lost again. NC State ups the upsets them ninety six eighty five. So it's not like it's a. I mean they lost to Boston College too earlier. So um, is Duke really like I said earlier in the year it was Duke's to lose. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure now. I think it really is anybody's. Um, if I had to give um one team like the my best chance to make the national championship game, I'd give it to Villanova. Yeah, um, Villanova looks great. Uh, they obviously, I mean, they just beat Marquette. Close game though. Oh yeah, I, I had fun watching that game. Yeah. I uh, I was in cardiac arrest by nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Vill- Villanova's explosive on offense. They have a play. They play great defense. Marquette did drop ninety on them though, because mm-hmm. Marquette's the best. <laughs> but uh, yeah, D- Duke. Uh, I think if Duke gets hot it, during uh, the ACC tournament, they're going to be a dangerous team in the tournament. Yeah. Um. They're always a dangerous team, though. So Yeah, I mean, Marvin Bagley really is a freak of a player. I mean, there's a lot of players in college basketball this year who can really take over games, like Trey Young from Oklahoma, uh, ba- Marvin Bagley Jr., and Marcus Howard from Marquette, who mm-hmm. dropped 52 against Providence, and then he followed it up with a 37-point performance against Villanova. I'm not being biased here. I'm, 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 I'm Marcus Howard, I think, is like Steph Curry. He, he's like not the biggest point guard in the world, but he's crafty with the ball. He can finish at the rim, and he can shoot the daylights out of the ball. He's one of the best free throwers in the league. He is. He has not missed a free throw this season. He is, yeah. a, he is 100% from the line this season. And he's made, I think, almost 60 attempts in a row going back to last season. Wow. So that's awesome. He's a special player. I think he's, I'm really happy he's starting to get uh, some recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other upsets from this weekend. Number five, Xavier loses at, at Providence, um, 81-72. I was watching that game. Um, Providence is a good team. They always are. They're a tough environment to play in. And I think Xavier's been overrated the entire year. Like they've they they've been trailing by double digits like in almost all of their games, uh. So I I think um they're gonna I mean they're if they obviously they're gonna make the tournament unless they lose every game for the rest of the year. But yeah, ranked I, I, I don't now. I don't th- yeah oh yeah the new rankings came out um a little while ago um I think come tournament time Xavier's gonna be a four or a five seed. Yeah, I would see that. Yeah. So, um. But I think the the best game from the whole weekend was uh, number six West Virginia took on number seven Oklahoma. That was a fun game to watch. J- uh, watching Javon Carter and Trey Young go at it was awesome. Uh, West Virginia ends up winning eighty nine seventy six on their home floor. Um, I didn't watch it, but against a ranked team, no loss is a bad loss. Oh yeah. Um, West Virginia I think jumped to number two in the rankings. Uh, it says Virginia. Oh yeah, yeah, West Virginia and then Virginia. Yeah, the so, the I'm sorry. <laughs> think think about the top four coming this weekend. It was Michigan State, Duke, Villanova, and Arizona State. And oh, the new yeah. uh, top four is Villanova, West Virginia, Virginia, and Michigan State. And then yep. Purdue's like a close five, I think. So yeah, tied. For- it's just it's been shaken up so much this year. Um, I I think yeah, Villanova's probably the 
best overall team. They had one loss to Butler. Um, but, I mean, which at, on the road, I think, and but that's what Butler does. Yeah. So um, the biggest upset of the whole weekend was probably on Sunday. Uh, so yesterday, oh, yeah, Ohio sure. State upsets uh, number one Michigan State at the time, eighty to sixty-four. Ohio State actually got twenty-eight first place or twenty-eight votes to be ranked because of that game. Don't play. I mean, that's like that. Like Michigan State, I don't think should have been number one, but like. Is the the Big Ten's really bad this year? <laughs> like, cause you got obviously you got Michigan State's the best team in the conference. You got Purdue, who's probably a close second. You've got Minnesota, who's pretty decent. Michigan's okay. I get Ohio State's okay, I guess. And then the whole rest of the conference is just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was fun. Um, another good game um, from Sunday. Uh, Miami number fifteen edges out number twenty four Florida State eighty seventy four. Uh, sa- oh, another good game from Saturday. Uh, Tennessee, number 23, beats 17 Kentucky. Kentucky's not that good this year. No. Kentucky's well, kind of a weird team this year because mm-hmm. they they have a lot of, like, obviously they have, like, their four or five-star recruits, and it's a young team, but they're not NBA recruits. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be around for a couple years. So Kentucky's probably going to have an undefeated season in two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> but, we were watching um, that game, and uh, it was close for most of the game. Until like the, pretty late in the second half, Ten- think, Tennessee yeah. took care took care of business on their home floor. But I, I think come tournament time, Kentucky's going to be a an eight or eight nine or ten seed. I I, uh, I think I think it's tough putting Kentucky in the top six seeds. Oh yeah, probably. Um, L- uh, Texas A and M, the number eleven team, got lost to LSU sixty nine sixty eight. A and M's a good team too. I uh, I I would put them as a top four seed in, in one of the brackets. Um, depending on how they do the rest of the year. I mean, they're still... What would they fall to in the rankings? Uh, one second. <laughs> um, because, you know, the, obviously the number, the top 12 teams are... Or no, six to top... I mean, if they're in the top 16, then they should be a top four seed. Texas A&M is now... I don't think they even ranked anymore. Yeah, they're not ranked They anymore. fell out of the rankings? Yep. Wow. Creighton is 25, and Tennessee is 24 Oh, now. yeah, Creighton's ranked again. Marquette's ranked. The schedule's going to look so good. Auburn is 22. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn beat number 22, Arkansas, 88-77, so they just kind of took their, took their ranking yeah. there. Texas A&M is 62 now. Wow. Wow. What a fall-off. Man, dude, uh, this college basketball is so volatile. Um, I would hope Texas A&M gets ranked again. The, the, I've watched them a couple times, and they're fun to watch. Um, I, I don't know who they play upcoming schedule is. Well, they're in the Big 12, right? Um, Big 12, right? I think so. They're playing Kentucky on Tuesday. Never mind, they're in the SEC. Don't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that'll be, I guess that'll be a real, that'll be Texas A&M's real test. Can like, um, even though Kentucky's not that good this year, but they're still Big Blue, so. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, Kansas edges out TCU 88-84. Another close game for Kansas. I'm, dude, Kansas makes me nervous this year, man. I, I, uh, I'm gonna. This is easily gonna be the hardest year on the planet to pick your bracket. <laughs> well, I usually get it wrong after the first day, so I'm, you're not you're not alone in that, buddy. <laughs> All those Jeff picks. Yeah. I, uh, one or two years ago, I was perfect for like a round and a half. So I, I got to like the second day of the, like the second. I got to the weekend of the round of thirty-two, and I got right all the way to Sunday. Wow. So I got the round of 64 right, and I got like half, like half the bracket right for the round of 32, and I got one wrong. It's so cool to hear about those. It's very rare that Did somebody you, gets it perfect, but it's you, awesome you, to hear about Do you remember that thing from last year? Like I think it was Warren Buffett offered like a billion dollars to somebody who got uh, like a perfect bracket, or a million dollars. I think it was a million dollars yeah, for a, million. a perfect bracket through the Sweet 16 or something. Yeah. 
I don't remember if somebody actually got it, though. No, I forgot what the... It wasn't a perfect bracket overall, but all I know is Marquette ruined it for him. For the guy. Because that was the only... Because Marquette lost to South Carolina. Cause everybody picked Marquette in an upset. Because South Carolina could, couldn't score except for one person. And Marquette was one of the top scoring teams in the country last year. <laughs> and Marquette got absolutely blown out. Because they couldn't shoot in that game for some reason. Not that millionaire. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I was like... That game. I was watching that with um, my, my one friend. And I, watching basketball with me, college basketball, watching Marquette with me is an experience. Yeah, I, yep. It's like, I, I, know. I, I don't feel good about it unless Marquette's up by more than 20. If, if they can be up 17, and I'll get mad when, like, they, they, they're they missing at the rim still. Or, like, if miss one free throw. And I'm just like, come on! What are you doing? Well, they did achieve your goal. You wanted them to lose with 10. I, they they did, so. covered. The whole game, yeah. I kept saying to Jeff, I kept saying, if they keep it within 10 against Villanova, we've got a legitimate shot to win this game. And they got it. They, that's what they did. They kept it with it. They were down almost 20 at one point. They kept going on these little 7-0, 8-2 runs. And they got it down within, like, five or six points in the last, like, eight minutes of the game. Yeah. And, like, I, they, they didn't finish it out, obviously, but they lost 190. I don't care that we gave up 100 points to Villanova. I, I care more that we scored 90 on them. Yeah. And, like, I'm really, great I'm, I'm really excited for them when they come into uh, Milwaukee because, like, we beat them last year when they were number one. So, we'll see. Heck, yeah. Right. That's enough Marquette talk. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to mention for that? Oh uh, no, all I have left is some uh, weekend news, and then the question for you guys. All right, so let's get into some of that news. Uh, nothing really earth-shattering happened this weekend. I know Kawhi Leonard got hurt, and he's going to be out quote indefinitely. Yeah, he has a partial tear in his left shoulder, and only he's only played in eight games this year, but he's averaged uh, fifteen point nine points, four point three rebounds. 2.1 assists, and 1.8 steals a game. And the Spurs are still a top-four team in the West, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and it just sucks to see him get hurt because they, they took their time with him with his injury from last year and didn't play him so he can come back full strength. And then now... I mean, he, he was this, starting but, to get his game back, too. Yeah, he really he was. Kind of proves my point, the, the Spurs or the Patriots of the NBA, because, you know, like your best player gets hurt, but you're still a top team in the league. <laughs> you can put us out there with Pop coaching us, and I'm pretty sure that... We'd still be in the playoffs in the West. So, <laughs> uh, Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Minnesota, Golden State, and Houston are the division leaders out of as of last night. So, no surprise there, really. Uh, James Harden is not playing tonight. I don't think. No, he's not. He's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. <clears throat> hmm. So, if if you guys haven't figured it out, we all have our special things we're good at. <laughs> I, I enjoy my baseball. Jeff likes his hockey, and Austin's quite the basketball guru. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, some quick MLB news: the White Sox and Padres are both interested in Christian Yelich. Hell yes! Now go get him. <laughs> Unless you have to trade a lot for him, then just leave it alone. Right, absolutely. And then finally, our question for the fans: uh, just like last week, we will ask you guys a question for the whole week, and then on Friday, you guys could send us your uh, your responses to. Uh, did it sportspod at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, you could record it on your phone or just send us an email and we'll re- read responses. Uh, the audio responses are more fun. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm, don't do not do what Jonathan did and be like <laughs> super low. Yeah. Jonathan, I love you, buddy, but you, you kill me sometimes. <laughs> so, Andrew, what was your question for fans this week? Well, kind of piggybacking on my college basketball thing here, I, 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 wanna give, I want you guys to tell me. I'm, who are your top four seeds right now? So, like, that's their number one seed in each uh, region. So, mine would be, my number one overall seed would be Villanova. Yep. Um, I not only think that right now, but I think they're going to finish out the year strong. I'm, I gave my number two to Arizona State. Because Arizona State's been really, like, fast and physical this year, and they've been a really fun team to watch. 
I think they're going to like brush this week off and get back to being a top-five team. Hmm. Um, I gave number three to Duke. I think Duke's going to finish the year strong as well. And, like, like, we know how – I mean, Grayson Allen is really an experienced player in stopping a crybaby this year. <laughs> Side note, screw you, J.P. Makira. <laughs> He's from Xavier, if you guys didn't know. And then finally I have West Virginia, just because, like, um, I feel like they've been quietly one of the best teams in the country this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of been overshadowed in the Big 12 by uh, Oklahoma and Trey Young. And yeah. like the, how explosively they kind of busted onto the scene here. And every, all the other craziness is happening, and West Virginia has been consistently good this year. So, yeah, Villanova. Villanova, Arizona State, Duke, and West Virginia. Tell me what you guys think, as long as it's not Xavier. Screw <laughs> Xavier. And uh, if you put Marquette in your top 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 four seeds, um, I love you. You're great. We'll name an episode you're, after you. You're very wrong. <laughs> Big shout out to whoever does that. Uh, my question for the week, uh, I did football last week, so this week I'll do hockey. If you guys could change or add one rule in the NHL, what would you do and why? Uh, for me, I would take away the shootouts altogether and just have continuous three-on-three until someone scores. I think three-on-three is great. It opens up so much ice and the creativity you could see within players. And It's not fun for the goalies, but I just think a lot of fans would prefer to see it rather end, end the game in three-on-three than in a shootout. Yeah, I agree. Like That's, yeah. that's, that's fun to watch mm-hmm. in the playoffs, too. I mean, I, I, the playoffs, it's obviously five-on-five <laughs> five and it's um, periods, but I think... For, uh, I, I think they should adjust shootouts, maybe, if they rather than get rid of, rid of it all. I'm not a hockey genius. I don't know how they would do that. Um, Either get rid of the shootout or maybe expand uh, three on three to ten minutes instead of five. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it should definitely keep the time, or yeah. like, or like, or maybe go to like a ten minute period of four on four. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad either. Because like ten minutes for three on three is really tiring. Oh, yeah. And, like, after a while, it's like, you know, everyone's dead. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, great, Jeff, great question. Appreciate it, as always. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we are going to come back and preview the game of the week, um, the national championship. So Stay tuned. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to preview the Alabama-Georgia national championship game. But first, Austin, you have some breaking news for us. Yes, we do for those Chicago Bears fans, whoever is still out there as a fan. Uh, <laughs> The Bears have signed uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, to be their new head coach. So what it's a, a new day in Chicago. I like that. You know, the you know, I, 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 I've raved a lot how, how great of a job Vic Fangio did with the defense. I think they're good there. Time to improve the offense. Go get Trubisky some weapons, get develop some system. So I like it. Absolutely. You know, hopefully he learned something from uh, Andy Reid's play calling. Because Andy Reid is a great play caller. So like, Yeah. Yeah, so I like it. Um, Alabama and Georgia. All SEC final here. Um, is it just me or does this kind of feel lame? <laughs> I think it'd be better if like Clemson was in. Maybe I don't know. No, I mean like I just kind of feel like this is a lame championship just because it's two SEC teams. Like I'm like there's obviously like it's not there's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't have a problem with that if it was like I wouldn't have a problem if it was like two ACC teams, two Big Twelve teams, two Big Ten teams. But like this just feels like such a regional thing. Like, yeah. I feel like the only two people who care about this in the entire country are, like, the state of Alabama and the state of Georgia. Yeah. Um, Alabama, I don't even know how this is possible. Alabama opens up as a four-point favorite, but the game is pretty much a home game for Georgia because mm-hmm. it's in Atlanta. <laughs> so I don't even know how that's possible because I, I, I would give a solid three-quarters of the stadium is going to be filled with Georgia fans. Oh, for sure. It's only about a four-hour drive, though, for those Alabama fans, but still. But, I mean, like, how, how, the, hell, how the hell are they a four-point favorite? And Georgia's the higher seed, too. 
So I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like college, college football is rigged, or either that or Nick Saban's like performing his dark magic. Yeah, uh, Georgia was six and six and zero oh at home this year. Yeah, and so another so, home game, pretty much. I mean, like again, said. like basically an impromptu home game for him. That's it's just it's it's huge. Um, we talked last week about what we thought our X factors were going to be for this game. You said the defense. I said the quarterback play. Both are obviously going to be very important because, um, again, like both teams are. Uh, I think that was a big part of their strong suit this year. The defense, like as we saw, Alabama kind of really handle um Clemson easily, and then obviously Oklahoma lit up Georgia for the a lot of the first half, but they kind of buckled down and really their defensive front really took over. Yep, but um. I think that this game really is going to come down to uh, like who can run the ball more, yeah. Because probably. that's that's obviously going to help the quarterback play because both um, sets of running backs or they're just both running attacks are really important to both teams this season. Uh, for Alabama, it really centered around uh, Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough, and of course Jalen Hurts, who can run the ball really well. Harris had 983 yards this season, um, averaged 7.6 yards a carry, and had 11 touchdowns. So good season for the kid. Uh, Jalen Hurts on like designed runs and scrambles, eight hundred to eight yards, five and a half average, and eight touchdowns. And Bo Scarborough, who had who's really their power runner, um, third down back goal line, five hundred seventy three yards, four point eight average, and eight touchdowns. So really a balanced attack from both the running back and the quarterback position. Uh-huh. And then of course for Georgia, they've got the two big seniors. Um, is is Sony Michelle a senior or a freshman? Because I know they have two really good senior running backs and a freshman running back that they like a lot. I have no idea. Um, but they have Nick Chubb, who had a thousand yard season, one thousand two hundred thirty yards, six point four average, and fifteen touchdowns. Sony Michelle, who had a thousand yard season, one thousand one hundred twenty nine and eight yard per aver- yard per carry average, and sixteen touchdowns. And then DeAndre Swift, who had six hundred three yards, seven point eight average, and three touchdowns, is a nice um, supplement to the running game. So. Mm-hmm. Really, a great set of running backs for both teams. Is like we saw that Chubb and Michelle really uh, asserted their dominance in the second half against Oklahoma. Yep, and like you said previously, it, for football, how big of a factor is kicking in this game? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, and like we're, it's going to show up again. I'm going to butcher this name. Um, the Alabama kicker is named Andy Papanastis. Close enough. Papan. Actually, I think I got that right. Papanastis. He was 16 for 21 on his field goals this year. Uh, his long was just 46 yards. Hmm. So, like... Not bad. That's not bad for a college kicker, but, like, think about that. Like, they have to be basically with inside the 30-yard line for him to be in range. Yeah. So, like, that that's that's really important in terms of, like, if it's close at the end of the game. And he, he Both kickers for both teams were 100% on their extra points, so that's pretty much automatic. But um, remember Georgia, too, is... Um, blocked that field goal in the double overtime against Oklahoma. So, like, they get great push when they're in the red zone. So, I think Alabama's kicking is going to be really a rocky situation. Yeah. And then for Georgia, um, Rodrigo Blankenship, first of all, I love that name. <laughs> and his, his, his nickname's even better. They call him Hot Rod. Um, 17 of 20 on his field goals this year and a long of 55. Wow. Which I think was in the SEC championship game. Like, because <laughs> I, I remember watching that, and he banged that thing right down the middle. That's like, better than some like NFL for, again, kickers. For, yeah, and for a college kicker, that's huge. Like I think Harrison Butker, Chiefs kicker, makes a forty-eight yarder, and this kid's banging fifty-fives. Yeah. Like Graham Gano and Will Lutz, like I said earlier, hit 57, 58 yarders, <laughs> and like this kid definitely would have hit it from fifty-seven or fifty-eight because it was it was up there. So yeah, of course he's a great kicker. You got a score prediction? 
I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna. This is gonna be a close game. I think Alabama wins twenty eight twenty four. I can see that. Nice, um, uh, pretty tight defensive play. I I, guess. I think a lot of the scoring is gonna happen in the second half, though. I think it's gonna be. I think I think it's gonna be really close at halftime. Uh, but I think uh, I think a lot of the scoring is gonna happen after after the ninth minute of the third quarter. That is super specific, and I just realized that. But it's what I think. I'm standing by it. Hey, you were right about the Chiefs' offense in the first half. So yeah, that's about all I got right from that game. <laughs> uh, interesting enough, the last time these two teams played, Alabama won 38 to 10. So not as close of a game as you had it. But you you want to know what uh, both these teams have in common? What they both lost to Auburn. There you go. So I mean, so question: Who's the real national championship champion? Auburn or UCF? Auburn. <laughs> UCF, if you guys didn't know, held a parade at Disney World for their undefeated season. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I like the uh, Cleveland Browns parade better, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I wish I was there so I, bad. I, I know that was kind of a joke by the fans, but, like, as a player, like, that's just downright embarrassing. Yeah. Because, like, cause like, Lions fans, when they were when 0-16, at least they had the decency to just be like, oh, uh, we have a better year next year. That Browns fans are like, yeah, we just went what, what, 1 in 20, 1 in, like, a oh, lot. Wow. One of, like, My math is 1 awful. in 31. Yeah, yeah, 1 in 31 over the last two years. <laughs> Sorry. Like, my God, Browns fans. Like, that's just, if I, uh, like, if I'm a Browns player, I'm either asking to get traded or retiring right there. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still keeping Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, uh, don't forget tonight's national championship games at 7 p.m. Central Time at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on ESPN. So it'll be a good game. It's really cool that they get to play at the stadium too. Yeah, uh, so it should be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our show. Um, special thanks to the musician of the week, uh, Mr. Slade Cleaves. He's uh, got some great stuff. I highly recommend you go find him on YouTube. And, and SoundCloud, Spotify, probably Spotify. Yep, he's got he's on everything. All right, awesome. so Slade Cleaves, Slade, yeah, not like, Ray Cleaves, <laughs> Slade like Slade Wilson and Cleaves like a meat cleaver. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, that wraps up our show, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the, our podcast as well as follow all of us on Twitter. And don't forget to send in our, those responses to our questions at. Uh, did it sports pod. <laughs> I always forget the email. I'm sorry. And uh, make sure you send us your questions for Friday too. Um, yeah, for sure. We'll answer anything um, as long as it's appropriate. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna do one episode where we'll answer All literally anything on the question. <laughs> That'll be our our rated episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't forget to also give us a five star rating on iTunes. It means the world to us. Have a great rest of your day, and we will be back on Wednesday. Take care. Deuces. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Talk Podcast. Join the Didit community on Twitter at Didit Pods. If you'd like to have your music featured on a future episode of the Sports Talk Podcast, email your song to DidItSportsPod at gmail.com. I rode 10,000 miles on a carousel horse of wood. All end up where we started. Get right back on if we could. So go ahead and make your confession. A washed up whiskey priest I'll be putting my money down On the rough and slouching beast Cause I don't need to read the papers Or the tea leaves to understand That this world's been shaped By a drunken barber's hand I don't need